this house is is absolutely what you sang that song this is a house of miracles and i believe that paul wrote to the church of corinthians and he said contend for the faith that was once delivered to you that is not a passive word it's not a passive word you don't receive passively when he says contend it is what Jacob did when he was in that wrestling match with the angel of the Lord, which is God. He said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. I will not let go. In fact, God said, let me go for the day is breaking. He said, mm-mm. There is something that I need from you. And in that encounter, watch this. God asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is deceiver, liar, cheat. That's what Jacob means. God answered said, I don't think so. You're identifying with the wrong reality. That is what they may call you down here. But what I call you from heaven, from this place, the way I see you, from my perspective, listen, he says, your name is Israel, prince with God. He says, take off that label. Take off that identity that plunges you in my identity crisis. And receive the label that I put on you. Receive the identity that I give you. And Jacob may have, may have wobbled out of that experience. The Bible says he had a limp. But this is the phrase that I love that comes out of that encounter. It says, and the son rose on a brand new day. It's a result of hunger. Thirst. Nobody can give that to you. You have to dig deep. Before I get into the word, this place has been earmarked as a, an, one of the epicenters of revival. This place. The areas in which you have been most attacked, the areas in which this body has been most attacked, individuals have been most attacked, the areas of your greatest defeats, where the enemy has gone, is the very areas that God wants to use you in to bring forth his glory. It will be the very seed bat bed that was seeming disappointment, seeming defeat. Because he wants to discourage you not to continue to contend in those areas. That is why the attack is consistent and constant and it is fierce. 
But you have the power of agreement here. One puts a thousand to fly two, two thousand, ten thousand. One puts a thousand to flight. Two, two thousand? No, you say ten thousand. In other words, the moment agreement comes, you leverage the power of one ten x, ten times. That is why Satan is after unity in the house and in the family, in the marriage, and the church. Focus your stuff, your mind on trivialities and on minors. Put those things out of your mind and out of your heart and focus on the realities of the kingdom and contend for that which matters, for that which is eternal. And give your agreement not to a gossip. Give your agreement to a statement of faith. And let us bring heaven into this realm. All of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestations of this, for the sons of God. Sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit. There's a difference. I'm just speaking a little bit before I get into the word. The Bible says those who are led by Romans say those who are led by the Spirit are called sons of God. Some versions translate that children of God, but it's not correct. In the in the in the in the Greek, there is a differentiation between a son and a child. It's the word heos. And technon. Why is that important? Because all sons of God are children of God, but not all children of God are sons of God. Let me say that again. All sons of God are children of God, but not all children of God are sons of God. The difference is maturity. And Bible defines maturity... As ones who walk in the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, are you not in the flesh? If there is fighting amongst you and quarreling amongst you. Are you not men and women of the flesh? Children, babes. So I have to feed you milk. But the strong meat, Hebrews 6. The anger stakes. Are for the mature. And that is what God wants for us to grow up. At age 12, Jesus went through his bar mitzvah. From a boy now to a son. So he separates from his earthly father and mother. Goes into the temple. They're looking for him. And they say, he says to them, why are you looking for me? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? It's like when a space shuttle leaves the atmosphere of the earth. Those things that's used to fire it up. There comes a, a separation. Boom. And it goes, breaks through the, the force of gravity. And it goes into a dimension where it has not gone before. Where gravity doesn't exist. Spirit realm. Spirit walk. And so the difference is. Between child and son. 
is walking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, seeing in the Spirit, hearing in the Spirit. You are not a human being seeking a temporary spirit experience. No, you are a spirit being having a temporary human experience. That's who you are. Spirit. And many of us don't know how to relate to our spirit man. We are all just cerebral in the soul. Like the lady said to me in IOP, I was in Louisiana. We came from a meeting, a friend of ours, a friend of mine. And we were hungry, so we stopped this, not IOP, but it was um, Waffle House. That was all that was open. So we are there, and I have a word for her. And she begins to cry, and she makes this statement. She says, got me up all in my feels. I say, what? I've been to America for 20 years. I've never heard that expression. She says, yes, you got me up all in my feels. And what she was saying is, you're affecting me, emotion, my emotions are affected. This word, the Lord has touched me, and I'm all, I'm all, I'm up, all up in my feelings. Overcome, just weeping, embarrassed. Oh, you got me all up in my feelings. Now, next time, when people are upsetting you, or you are upsetting them, they're getting all emotional. You tell them, hey, get out of your feels. <laughs> that is what Paul was talking about. God doesn't dwell in your soul. dwells in your spirit. Your body corresponds to the temple. Outer court, holy place, holy of holies. Outer court. Soul, holy place, spirit, holy of holies. That is where God dwells. That is where the spirit resides. That is where God speaks. That is where God flows. And all of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Those who are led by the spirit. Let me fast forward to Galatians chapter 4 and then. I'm going to transition. Why is this so important? In Galatians 4, Paul writes to the Galatians. In fact, he starts the book. He says, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ has been portrayed as crucified. You started in the spirit. You're now ending in the, in the flesh. Trying to accomplish what can only be done in spirit reality. Through fleshly, soulish means. So he goes on, starts that in Galatians. He comes to chapter 4. I'm connecting this with sons and children. Sons are those who are led by the Spirit. A child is someone who is born again. You're going to heaven. But you're a child. You're immature spiritual babe. And Christ has given fivefold ministry gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, that we all can grow up into maturity. Amen? God does not want us at age 25 still to walk around in diapers. There's a reason why they make these little desks 
so small in elementary school so that when you're age 18, you can't fit into it. Right? And spiritually, that is true for us. We have to grow up. So Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, A child is no different to a servant. And servant there or slave is not the way we understand slave in Western culture. It was a steward, a manager of a household, like Joseph was with Potiphar. He managed all of his affairs, like Eliezer with Abram. Servants, stewards, but not sons. So they have to ask permission if they want to open up the refrigerator. They have to ask permission if they want to use some things that belongs to the master. A son, no, belongs to them. Not only that, a son is an heir. To become an heir, you don't work for that. You just receive it as a regalo, as a gift. So Paul is saying, a child, even though he is the heir of the entire estate, but because he is immature, he's a minor, he cannot transact on the account of the kingdom business of the father's account because he's immature, he's a minor. So even though he is a multi-billionaire, he cannot access his inheritance because he's immature. So he says, that makes that child no different to a steward because he's under the stewardship and guardianship of trustees. He has to ask permission, may I? How much? No, sorry, you can't. But once you are a child that becomes a son and you, have now, you are now in a position to access your inheritance, then you can just begin to transact and do kingdom business as you are led by the Spirit. And so Jesus models that at age 12. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I only do that which I hear and see the Father does. And so the Lord is calling all of us to contend for the faith that was delivered to us. Through centuries and centuries and centuries of men and women, parents, grandparents, you are sitting here as recipients of all of the faith that God has endowed um, in your family line, in your family history. And if not, then in this house, contend for that. And let us walk in the spirit because that is where God will release the inheritance to us. Amen. And so this house, I really believe the Lord is saying, he has earmarked for revival. The second thing about that, I mentioned this before a couple of days ago, but there is an absolute working of the Lord upon the youth and the children. God is going to use the children and the youth in an amazing way. We've already seen God do things on Thursday night. We have exceptional healings. I think Friday too. Uh, but let us contend for that. Don't give up. If you don't see the breakthrough, don't stop. 
Jesus prayed for a blind man. His eyes were open, but not fully opened. He saw men walking as trees. Jesus laid his hands on him for a second time, and then his eyes opened. Amen. And so, so there is a promise. Has God spoken that to this house before? So Paul writes to Timothy, he says, War, do warfare with the prophecies given over your life. So what you need to do as a church from time to time, if you're not doing it already, is, Lord, you said this over this house. You said that we'll be the epicenter for revival. You said that revival will come through our loins. Father, we present ourselves. Show us, direct us, lead us, guide us. Contend for that. Because we are co-workers with him. The second thing I want to say, just prophetically, that I sense there's a move of God amongst the women. And there is, God has called you. In this hour, there's going to be a focus on Esther. Like Esther came into the kingdom. Her, uh, 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 Mordecai said, for a time such as this. Women know how to give, what it is to go into labor. You know what it is to give birth. That corresponds in the spirit to prayer. In fact, Isaiah says, when Zion travails, goes into labor, she will bring forth her children. And so just like you birth in the natural through labor pains, so you would birth in the spirit. And there will be times that God would put upon your heart to draw away while you are in your house. Just a, you're just a, 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 not just, but a house mom. Or perhaps in your business or at night. You know, respond to the promptings of the Lord. Just like Mary, 13 years old, Gabriel came to her and he said, God wants to borrow your womb. She says, how could this be? It doesn't make sense. They said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And he will divinely impregnate you. And out of you, the Savior of the world will be born. A 13-year-old Jewish, Jewish girl. Inconspicuous, seemingly insignificant. But heaven had his eye on her. Then discount where you come from, where you were born, who you are, your family pedigree, where you live. Don't. God doesn't look and treasure and measure the way man does. His hand is upon you. Listen to me. When you surrender to the Lord and pray this prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Here am I, Lord. Use me for your glory. There is no telling what God will do with your life. Ladies, won't you just raise your hands to the Lord in this house? ask you to begin to pray in the spirit for a few moments. Just lift up your, your voices like a trumpet. Pray in the spirit.
Thank you, Father, for the spirit of intercession that you release upon this woman, Lord, this woman of God. I thank you that you use a womb to birth forth your divine purpose and your divine will. She is set apart, Lord, for your glory, set apart for your divine purposes. Thank you, God, for her healedness and her surrender to you, God. Rika kasuko bruho shaka brata tata bronto. Rika kasuko bronto rabasha kabranta rababata tuto. Do not give regard to what you look like on the outside. Do not give regard to the manifestations. Even don't 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 consider man's opinion. Just continue to pray. Um, I'm speaking to women here in the spirit. Just God is going to use you to birth His purposes through prayer and through intercession through prophetic acts, uh, uh, even through dancing, there's going to come a desire for you just to do dancing before the Lord. In your in your inner chamber, the king desires your beauty. And as you begin to dance, uh, he will dance with you. And you are a picture of the bride with Christ. You are a picture of what, the, what God desires, what Jesus desires for his bride to come into intimacy and romance with him. And so you as a woman, you as a wife, you you carry that prophetic mandate. And the Lord in this hour is going to stir your spirit. Stir your spirit to intercession. Both to prepare the bride for the coming of the bridegroom. And there will also be a stirring in your heart to pray for the lost. To pray for nations. To pray for your community. Just like Esther. When the enemy came against her people. And he wanted to destroy children. He wanted to destroy babies. He wanted to destroy destinies. He wanted to destroy futures. Esther said, no, not on my watch. She went into prayer and fasting, and she turned the tide of death and the death sentence that was against the people. She turned it around because she was willing to forget uh, the, 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 the luxury of, of palace life. She was willing to forego all the conveniences that, was at her, that were at her disposal. She said, I will lay my life down as a sacrifice for my people and that is what God is going to do all across this room and all across this church also we as a church for a few moments lift up pastor as a pastor Lonnie what's his name just for a few moments, just all of us, just begin to pray in the spirit. Just lift him up. Pray over him right now. Thank you, Jesus. We pray for him, Lord. We lift him up before your throne. Lord, strengthen your son. Lord, encourage your son. We speak the quickening power, the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit over him. In the name of Jesus, Sabrakato Romombrusata, Lesendere Beketaramambrokoto, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning briefly on the power of your testimony. The power of your testimony. Many of us here are products of someone else's testimony. 
since the church has been birthed. Even before that, Andrew encountered Jesus and he went to his brother Peter. He said, come, I think we have found the Messiah. A testimony is very, very powerful. And each one of you who are here have encountered Jesus, you have a testimony. And I want to show you out of scripture why your testimony is so powerful and how God can use that as a vehicle, as an instrument to bring healing, deliverance, salvation, miracles to others. Many times we feel we are ill-equipped or not equipped enough. We don't know enough. And so we excuse our inactivity. And perhaps it is so that we don't know, know enough. But your testimony is so powerful that that is all that you need. And I want to show you out of scripture how God used that. I was in Russia in 1995. Yaroslavl, Moscow. The Iron Curtain just fell. And there were young pastors, 18, 19, 20, 22, who had churches of 500, 1,000, 2,000. And what they told me astounded me. They said, bring, empty the churches in the West. Let them come to us. Because the, the curtain just fell. They were hungry. Communism left them disappointed. Because communism to them was God. They said, bring every member in any average evangelical church. They can open up with the knowledge that you have. They can open up Bible schools and teach us. Yet many of us think we need to acquire more and more and more knowledge. And I just want to show you today. And I know this is a Bible-based church. I know this is a church that is solid in the Word. But I want to show you how far-reaching an impact your testimony can have for Christ. Your testimony is an eyewitness account. Nobody can argue with you because it is what you have seen. It is what you have heard. It is what you have experienced. Sometimes people argue with doctrine, but they cannot argue with, with what you have encountered about Jesus. Remember the blind man? He was blind from his mother's birth. And so his eyes are open. Jesus opens his eyes on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees come to him and says, whoa, 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 whoa. This Jesus fellow, we don't know where he comes from. We know Moses, but we don't know anything about him. And he responded and he said, oh, hey, do you not want to start to teach us? And the blind man said the following. Listen, guys, I don't know anything about theology. I cannot reason with you. I cannot talk. You guys are just, I mean, you are the, the, the pharisaical doctors, right, in theology. I, I cannot argue with you. And I'm not even going to begin. But this one thing I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Yeah. Nobody can argue against that. And so, your testimony displays three things. God's character, 
God's power and God's love. I want to give you three reasons why your testimony is powerful. Number one. Your testimony has the power to bring others to salvation. It's just your testimony. Let's go to Mark chapter 5, verse 18 to 20, please. Mark chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. Thank you, Pastor. It's so great to, to meet you today. It's the first time I meet you, so it's wonderful to... To be in the house and to have the privilege to minister you today. I want to draw just the backdrop to this. This is the man that lived in the tombs, the demoniac, man of gatherings. He lived in, in cemetery. He was besated. Devils living inside of him, raving mad. Some scriptures calls him a lunatic. Today they probably put him in an asylum, lock the key, lock the door and throw the key away. They said they tried to bind him with chains and he just broke it because of the strength of the demons inside of him. When Jesus asked him, who are you? He says, we are legion. Legion is a Roman uh, military term, which means 6,000. There were 6,000 demons inside of this one man. I draw your attention to the fact that there were 2,000 pigs that were grazing. And the demons begged Jesus, please cast us out into the pigs. Now, I want to draw your attention to something very important. It's not what I wanted to talk about. But I want, you to, men I want to mention this to you. In any case, he... he, he they say, please cast us into the pigs, 2,000 pigs. When Jesus says, go, three demons enter each pig, three apiece. And the pig says, mm -mm, not for a second are we going to tolerate your presence. And they run down the cliff and commit suicide. Rather to be a temple for devils, they said we'd rather die than have demons live inside of us. There are so many human beings who live with demons for years and years and years. But this is why Jesus came to set captives free. And your testimony has the power to do that. Now watch this before I get to the point. The demons, when they asked Jesus to go into the pigs, do you know what was the reason for what the verse is? Huh? They didn't want to go back. Go back to him. Do you know what they said to Jesus? They said, please permit us to go into the pigs, but do not send us out of the region. Because our demonic assignment is here. The highest form of expression for a spirit is a human being. But if we cannot find a human being, we'll enter into an animal. 
but our assignment is regionally. This is where we cause divorce. This is where we cause violence. This is where we cause killing of people. This is where we cause um, suicides. This is where we cause addictions. Our demonic assignment is in this region. Don't send us out of this territory. And so it's important in Daniel chapter 10, remember, when, when Daniel was praying, I'm connecting to the importance of territorial spirits and how they've been given jurisdiction over areas and over regions. And many times what you see happening in your city or happening in your community, that is the fruit of a spiritual root. And so if you deal with the root, you can change the fruit. And so when Daniel was praying in Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says, Gabriel appeared to him and he said, after 21 days, from day one, I was sent by God to answer you, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia or the prince of Iran today. The principality that governs that territory. And I could not get through. He was trying to stop the purposes of God. And in the heavens over this region, there was a war. And God sent Michael and all of his angels. And the more you prayed and fasted, God sent more reinforcements. And the battle was won in the spirit. And then I could come through and give you the message. He said, day one, God sent me. But it took 21 days for me to get through. I was opposed. But your prayers, your persistence, your consistency, your fasting open up the way for me. So we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers and all of that. But we have been given all authority because Jesus has all authority. Church, let us rise up in that and not be passive. Come on, let us stand up and let us take the kingdom of God by force. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Am I making sense? He's set free his right mind dressed and now he comes to Jesus please master I want to join your ministry team I don't know anything about this deliverance thing about the word about miracles about healing I know nothing can I join your ministry team be taught by you the Nazareth Bible School Institute and Jesus said, no. All you need is what you already got. It is your testimony. In fact, he said, let's read it. Mark 5, 18 to 20. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which is the ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. All that Jesus said to him is you need your testimony. That's all you need. And ten cities were impacted by a man who was demon-possessed. 
Imagine what your testimony can do. Here's Megan. She came into this church, right? When you were in a different location. Body riddled with cancer. Somebody invited her to come. And it's here at Passion Church that God touched her. And she's cancer-free ever since. And this is like seven years ago. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Second reason. First reason why your testimony is powerful. It is as the power to bring others to salvation. Number two, second reason. Your testimony is a prophecy. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 says the following. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Not the gift of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy. Because that's what Jesus is. He's a spirit. The Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this is what he's saying through that. Every time that Megan now will share her testimony that she got healed. What she's doing, she's putting Jesus the healer on display. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you, manifests... And speaks through her. What he is saying is, when she says, I was healed by God, what she is prophesying is that Jesus is the healer. And what he has done for me, he can do for you. It is as if Jesus is witnessing through her testimony. And putting his healing power on display. And saying, yesterday, today, and forever, I am the same. Malachi 3, I am the God who changes not. Amen. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. The Bible says the moment she touched it, she was healed. Remember, that was her faith. It wasn't something that Jesus told her to do. It's something that she said. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I thought after this woman is healed and Jesus commends her, says, wow, woman of great faith, daughter, your faith has made you all. I thought that's where the story ended. I was wrong. That's not where that miracle ended. It continued. I want to take you there. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34 to 36. Matthew 14, verse 34 to 36. Now, if, the, if that story ended, if that testimony ended there, that would have been amazing. Because here's a woman who suffered from a condition for 12 years, 
She spent all of her money. The doctor said, go home, go and die. There's nothing we can do for you. Right? She touches the hem of Jesus and she is made whole. If the story ended, they would say, wow, that's amazing. But it didn't. Matthew 14. Verse 34 to 36. When they had crossed over, Jesus and the disciples, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him, and they begged him to let the sick just touch the hem of his garment. And all who touched it were healed. Jesus never preached, touch the hem of my garment. There's no scriptural account of that. If you want to get healed, come and touch the hem of my garment and you'll be healed. Where did they get that from? This woman went home. She went onto Facebook, she made a post, and the story went viral. That's what happened. And so the Bible says, when they saw and recognized Jesus, this is what they said. If he could do it for her, then he can do it. And so her testimony became a prophecy. And the Bible says, everyone who touched the hem of his garment, everyone, were totally healed. Isn't that amazing? Third reason why your testimony is powerful. It's a weapon of warfare. Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Satan hates your testimony. He does not want you to speak of what Jesus did for you. Because he's afraid of what Jesus is going to do through you. I draw your attention to Lazarus. Chapter 11, the guy dies. Jesus raises him up, resurrects him. Lazarus now has a testimony. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 9 to 11, please. John chapter 12, verse 9 to 11. While you go there, remember the woman... At the well, the Samaritan woman. That's such an amazing thing about her testimony. One encounter with Jesus. One encounter. Five husbands living with another man. She's thinking that she's needing the love of another person. There's a hole in her heart and she doesn't know that she needs Jesus. She comes thirsty physically at the well, to the well. But Jesus knows this thirst is much more than just a physical thirst. He encounters her, gives her a drink. She leaves a water pot. She runs to an entire village. And her testimony transforms 
that entire place. Just a distance. Do you know how that story ends? I want to quickly read it before we go to John 12. This is what, <clears throat> this is what the, the people said. Um, of that woman, <clears throat> the Samaritan woman. They said, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And please listen. And because of his words, many more became believers. And this is what they said to the woman. We no longer believe because of your testimony. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know and believe that this man really is the savior of the world. But this woman's testimony was the gateway that God used to bring these people into their own personal encounter with Jesus. Don't underestimate if you think you've just got five loaves and two fishes. Of a testimony. Sometimes I used to think. Because I was not a drug uh, addict. Or a, a, a alcoholic. or I, I, I grew up in the church. And I thought many times. I don't have a powerful testimony. Like this guy said. You know I was standing. And they, I was a lifer. And boom. So all of a sudden the judge said. You're free to go. Or oh, I was a drug addict for 12 years. And I walked into this meeting. There was not 12 steps to this. I just walked in. There was one step. It was Jesus. And boom. I was set free. I don't have those kind of explosive testimonies. But my testimony that Christ has appeared to my father before I was born and that I was raised in the house of the Lord and I encountered Jesus has changed many a life and brought many people into an encounter with Jesus. Don't underestimate what God has done for you and what he wants to do through you. And so Lazarus, let's close off of that. John 12, 9 to 11. He's resurrected from the dead. People are saying, wow, we've never ever seen this. Guy dead for four days, stinking. Back to life. Four days ago, we attended his funeral. Here he's sitting and chowing on Angus beef with corn on the cob. So they came to see the testimony. Watch this. John 12, 9 to 11. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and they came. But not only because of Jesus, but they also came to see Lazarus. They want to come and check out what did Jesus do for you? Who want to touch this testimony? Smell it, feel it, see it, encounter it to see if it's real. When that happened, the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Why? Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Satan is after your testimony. Because he knows if he can kill your testimony, if he can discredit your testimony... If he can discredit you, then your testimony will not be shared with others and others will not. You Listen, there are other people that will never yet receive anything from me. There are other pe people who will never come into this house 
But God has brought you into their sphere of influence and them into your sphere of influence. And when you begin to share your testimony, wow, watch what God will do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. We can just have soft music, please. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so every time you open your mouth, you need to realize that there is authority in your mouth. You can determine the eternal destiny of the people that God has brought you, brings you into contact with. God wants to manifest according to his name through your life. And your testimony has the revelation of who God is, like with Megan. Through her testimony, she reveals that God is a healer. But it's also Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. It's also Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is our peace. It's also Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who raises up a banner of himself in the midst of our battle and brings victory. There are people here, you have encountered God in the midst of your battle and you've encountered him giving you victory. And so your testimony is powerful. Jesus is Savior, Deliverer, Healer. And when you open your mouth, God wants to use your testimony to bring others to Him. And so the word of the Lord this morning to you is, look what I've placed in your hand. Recognize what I've placed in your mouth. And open up your mouth and declare my goodness. Declare the testimony that I've given you. And through that testimony, there will be people who will come to know Jesus as Savior, as Deliverer, as Healer. But there is one component that I found that makes the difference, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of fire that comes, that brings a boldness that is not there without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will witness and testify of me. It is not just a power that is within, but it's a power that is upon you. And it's a power that emboldens you, that enables you to speak. But it's also a power that enables you to do signs, wonders, and miracles. On the day of Pentecost, 120 of the disciples were gathered in the upper room. And the Bible says, when he came, the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. Something incredible happened. Upon the heads of everyone in that room appeared a cloven tongue of fire. It was in the form of a tongue. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives everyone in this room a unique baptism. A baptism for every head in this room. 
Number two, he affects your speech. He gives you utterance. He anoints your words and your tongue to declare and to proclaim Jesus. And thirdly, he baptized you with a fire, a passion, a desire to go out and spread Jesus. This morning, I believe God is calling you and I into the harvest fields of the world. And it starts with where he has placed you. If we're going to see Cameron saved, if we're going to see revival break out in this city and in this town and go into the surrounding regions like it was with this woman who shared her testimony and the Bible says the surrounding region in Gennesaret heard about it and they encountered Jesus as a miracle worker. Then you and I will have to get busy. And there is a baptism here this morning that God wants to give to you, to share your testimony. But secondly, there are some people here who are in need of a testimony. You've got sickness in your body, you need God to touch you. You've got pain in your body, you need God to touch you. You have a situation, a circumstance in your family, perhaps a, a, a daughter or a son who is wayward. Perhaps even in prison. Perhaps not in relationship with you, not serving the Lord. And you want God to move in your family. You want God to give you a testimony. This morning, all of the above, I believe the Lord wants to encounter you. And so I'm going to open up the altar for you to come forward. And now we're going to lay hands on you. And we're going to see the Lord move with signs, wonders, and miracles. And touch people this morning in an amazing way. So I'm going to ask you to rise to your feet and make your way to the altar. Pastor uh, uh, and the ministry team can come and help us to please. If we have oil, anointing oil in the house, that will be great to lay hands on people. People on my right, my right, your left, this will be for healing. If you need healing in your body, you're trusting God for a testimony for yourself. Come and line up on my right hand side. Everybody else, just line up here. You're standing and waiting, God, to move, do something for your children, for your grandchildren, for your husband, for your wife, for your mother, for your father. You're standing in agreement and in faith for salvation for your family. You're trusting God for a breakthrough. You might be in the midst of a legal battle. Somebody that has a court case. That is what I sense. Somebody that has a court case. That you're trusting God for victory in that area. We're going to pray. and We're going to see God move in Jesus' name. And then just over all of us, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want it. More boldness, more power. Do you have oil, Pastor? Yeah. So, so let's just go, all of us, just, just lay hands on, on, on God's people. Please go ahead. Yeah. Here, please. Um, this will be everybody on this side. Um, 
will be for baptism of the Holy Spirit and also they're standing for if they have a miracle, a need for a miracle, a, mer a testimony for their own lives, whether it is standing for the salvation of their children, their parents, their grandparents, uh, perhaps they're encountering a situation in their, uh, in their life right now, a problem, a financial breakthrough that has to come. God wants to give you a testimony. And so we're laying hands on everybody on this side for that, please. This side is healing. So let's let's go in Jesus' name. Where is my wife? Thank you, Lord. And I would like the youth, the youth guys, all of you to also come. Come and lay hands on people, especially in the healing. Remember what we said? Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. So all the young people, come. You've already done this on Thursday night. So just find somebody that needs to be healed and just lay your hands.